We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It is NFL Draft Week, and we're going to be talking today with Scott Barrett of FantasyPoints.com here on Road of His Overtime. We were joking before we kicked things off, but I wanted to keep all the reaction for when we were on the show here. I didn't want to spoil any of the fun, but for anyone who joined us last year when Scott was on for our NFL Draft conversation, we did have a, a fun part where, I don't think I've ever done this before, Scott, where after the show was over, I had to make a clip of the outtakes from, uh, I believe it was a day where they were testing out your the sensors or something for the, the fire alarm at your at your apartment and uh, i remember having a lot of fun doing it i know you felt bad about it at the time but it was one of the most enjoyable and fun experiences i think i've had doing this podcast <laughs> yeah th- i think the funniest part was so every time i would talk i would you know ramble as i i tend to do go on these monologues for like six minutes hyping up a player putting them down and then uh, you know Five minutes into it, the alarm starts blaring. I have we have to pause, we have to wait, and then I'll finish that take. And then uh, there was like a lull for like twenty minutes, and we're like, "All right, thank God!" And it's the end of the show. And uh, I'm trying to get this one really crucial piece of information out, and then out of nowhere, the alarm just comes blaring back, and I scream out a number of obscenities. Yeah, it was the, that, that. I think that was the tipping point. I was glad we were at the end of the the show at that point. The other part of it was that it didn't seem to be going off at all when me and Sean were talking. But once That's Scott right. would talk, it was like it was like the guy who was testing it was outside your room waiting to <laughs> to press the button. I believe it. Yeah. You ready to go, Sean? Today we're going to have some fun wide receiver conversation on today's show. Yeah, I'm fired up. Scott gave us so much. Good info last year, the perfect guest for draft week. The draft now just a couple of days away. And we've kind of structured this one to be, I mean, they're all fun, but we've set Scott up to give us a lot of, you know, bold prediction types of things and just the coolest things he's run across in his research, which we obviously know has been detailed. So I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be great. Yeah, it's going to be fun, and uh, we can do bold predictions or hot takes. Either way, we're gonna we're gonna have fun on today's show. Scott, kicking it off, we're going to go into JSN. Myself and Sean have talked quite a bit on the show over the last couple of months about him as a, a prospect. But is he clearly the top prospect of the kind of four names who fall into that category at the top of 
the reality draft here and uh, you did tease with us before the show your spot who may be slightly different to, to consensus how is that top end firstly is jsn your wide receiver one have you somebody else there and then what about two through four after that yeah no uh jsn's my wide receiver one and it's not particularly close to me i i have him as like a Bijan robinson level wide receiver prospect he's not really priced like it he goes 31 picks later in dynasty startups granted uh you know positional scarcity uh but yeah i i do think uh we need to be valuing him a little more highly according to my model everything i value uh, this is probably the second best wide receiver prospect since at least 2012 uh, behind only Jamar Chase. Uh, that was that AJ Green, Julio Jones year. So not including those guys either. I can see the smile coming onto Sean's face here as we record when you, when you say that. <laughs> what, what are your thoughts, Sean? Yeah, pretty fired up for him. I mean, <laughs> yeah. the one, the one year of production there, but anytime that you're clearly better than the guys who are being debated as you know the best prospect from this last class which i think now that we've had a chance to see that class in the nfl for a year and now the people i mean obviously we're the draft this week so people have been digging in for a while but after the we've gone through this pre-draft process at least i think people are changing their minds about the the relative quality of these two drafts and and certainly you seem to be in that category as well i don't get the impression that you feel like the rest of round one either from a reality or a fantasy perspective is very strong at wide receiver yeah i i, I haven't done any podcast besides this one and, and one other one so like people have been asking for to find uh you know podcasts of my work they don't want to read twelve thousand words i wrote on the, the rookies uh and, and part of that is just like i kind of feel bad going on a podcast and just dumping all over this class like 101 to 106 in the super flex all right that's cool but kind of outside of that i really just hate this class as a whole but but not jsn J jsn i uh i think he's an absolute superstar i think he's going to catch 100 balls his rookie season i uh really really excited about him uh, but you asked me about the next few names on my list and uh, this is where it gets a little off the rails it goes 101 or wide receiver one jsn wide receiver two Marvin Mims, wide receiver three, Quentin Johnston, wide receiver four, Jordan Addison, wide receiver five, Josh Downs. And uh, like, you know me, I'm, I'm not really a hot take guy. I, 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 it makes me a little nervous to have a guy the NFL is projecting to go round four to have him as my wide receiver too. It's just that I'm doing this based off of their a player's analytical profile. And I couldn't in good faith look at this stellar analytical profile for Marvin Mims, who crushed everything that matters to me, everything that we know is predictive, and have him anything less than the wide receiver too. I feel really good about that. I'm not going to feel really good about it on Saturday when he falls to round four, but but yeah, it's just, it is what it is. It, he rocks solid analytical profile. I think this guy is going to be really good. That's pretty cool because he's been the guy that we were way above consensus on in the road of his rookie guide the guy that Colin and I have been taking at the end of all of the underdog drafts and the guy that I keep waiting for someone to come on and explain like why the NFL is where they appear to be because it makes no sense. I mean, he's, I don't know that I would say he's clearly for me above Quentin Johnston and Jordan Addison, but 
The only reason I would consider that next group that is supposedly ahead of him is if they have these massive gaps in draft capital, as you're referencing. I mean, if Zay Flowers is the first receiver drafted, which I mean, that seems impossible to me, but you hear talk about. I mean, if he goes like number 12 overall, which again, don't think that's going to happen probably, you know, in the range of his top end. But if he goes 12 or, you know, somewhere in that top 15 and Mims goes 120, which I would hope is his absolute floor, then, I mean, it'd be hard to have those guys ranked the same. But even after that, I think that might be the thing that actually makes them more equal because they don't seem like they are as prospects. Scott, tell us for Mims, what specific things did you run across? What specific parts of his profile jump out and say just, I mean, why are people not on this guy? Well, it, it's everything. You you and I have talked many times about the importance of age-adjusted production and efficiency. Well, guess what? His freshman season was the second best ever by age-adjusted yards per route run. Uh, before that, in high school, he set the national single-season record for receiving yards all-time Uh Texas state record holder by career receiving yards. And then as a sophomore, what did he do? He set, set the uh, PFF era record best ever mark for yards per target. You want to look at the top 10 of that stat. It's all just absolute fantasy superstars, uh, elite season by depth adjusted yards per target over expectation. The following season production uh, increased substantially. Uh, this was his third different quarterback. Uh, second different head coach, set, third different wide receiver coach. Um, so you like to see he's he's productive with different quarterbacks, different different schemes and coaches, and just really good efficiency metrics, yards after the catch per reception, things of that nature. And digging into red flags, there's there's of course some red flags. It just doesn't stack up to Addison's red flags. It definitely doesn't stack up to Quentin Johnson's red flags, who by the way is my wide receiver three. Uh, when looking at his career in its totality. Uh, he leads all wide receivers and yards per route run from the outside. He's either first or second behind only JSN in career yards per route run, depth adjusted yards per target over expectation, and all these other uh, metrics that that really matter to me and, and factor into my model. You want to talk red flags? There's there's definitely some red flags. You know that that freshman season, second best ever age adjusted yards per route run uh, in the PFF era uh, database. Uh, was that okay? Well, he he wasn't really a full time player, and that matters. Okay, he he only ran 150 routes. That's typically a, a few shy of of qualifying for my model. But the thing is, if I gave that zero percent weighting that season, he would rank as my wide receiver four. If I gave it 50 percent weighting, he would still rank as my wide receiver two. Uh, a lot of his production came on the deep ball. Okay, that's true for just about all these wide receivers we're going to talk today. Uh, not a lot of raw volume, okay. Uh, high volatility in terms of production, uh, different things like that. Okay, all of that uh, you know, is the same thing for Quentin Johnston. Uh, and so, you know, really digging into this, the knock from NFL teams is that he is a little raw. He didn't have a really diverse route tree. And uh, what I would say to that is like, I mean, who, who cares? This guy was a monster on four routes then. Okay, like wait and watch and see what he does uh, at the NFL level with NFL coaching. Uh, he, he'll be a superstar, right? I don't know. I, to me, it looks like this is going to, you know, having him as my wide receiver too might, uh, you know, bite me in the ass next year, the year after. People are saying he is raw. 
but then maybe he follows the Tyler Lockett trajectory where he turns it on in year three. I, I kind of think that's that's how it's going to shape up. If I'm wrong on this, or, or maybe you know, you know, we're right because Sean, many times we've beaten draft capital. Like Jonathan Taylor, we're like, this guy is why isn't he being viewed as a Zeke Elliott caliber prospect? And you know, we were right there. We we were de- you know definitely thought he was better than CEH. So uh, you never know. Uh, and uh, right now, I feel good about it. We'll see what happens on on draft day. Would it also be the case that, well, I mean, we've built in quite a bit of margin for being wrong just based on what the prices are. But right. you talk about him being raw and being young, and maybe it takes a little while. But isn't it also sort of the case that, well, yeah, I mean, there's going to be an adjustment. But the players who came out and did what you just described, where he destroys as a freshman from an efficiency perspective, that when we see that with young players in college, that even if they don't have quite the polish as some of the older guys, that because they're simply better, and you can tell that from the age-adjusted production, that they also are the ones who you actually don't have to wait as long for in the NFL. And it's some of these guys who are polished and have the late production who are maybe a little bit slower to develop. Now, some of the old prospects who have a lot of production do eventually become solid NFL players. But... I mean, there's the possibility that some of these younger guys who are good early, even if they're unpolished, blow up right away. Right. I, I mean, that's just a massive point. The age-adjusted production, breakout age, things like that. It's when when you are able to dominate cornerbacks who are three years older than you, you're operating at a massive disadvantage. And that's indicative of a surplus in talent, just like getting a thousand yards in the NFL with one arm tied behind your back is indicative of you being an absolute monster. Yeah, no, I, I think that's, I'm just trying to like play devil's advocate here because, you know, I have him as my wide receiver too. And so I put a lot of thought into this. I, I weighed the pros and cons. Uh, apparently the best landing spot would be like a chargers where he's just only a situational deep threat early on. And then he grows into something, but no, I, I mean, like if I'm just being honest and like looking at this analytical profile and also the tape, I like the tape. Uh, yeah, I, I think, I think he should be, you know, uh, yeah, he's my wide receiver too. I think he should, he should be a beast from day one. Well, one of the other things there that I think people maybe are glossing over a little bit is that he's a fantastic athlete too. And so that part of it, I think it's just also really exciting. So Scott, maybe this is the same guy, but one of the questions that I'm really excited to ask you because, you know, you go in, I mean, even if you're not a huge college football guy, and I don't want to say that's necessarily the case for you, but there will always be some players that when you really dive into the stats that you realize okay this guy is either better or worse but you know in a fun way hopefully better than you realized or you come across something in their profile that is really interesting which wide receiver surprised you the most in a positive way and you had to move him quite a bit up your personal rankings yeah that's that's definitely mims and 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 what helped him too is just for about everyone else it's like oh oh wow look at Jordan Addison's box score production. Look at Josh Downs' box score production. Look at what Jalen Jalen Hyatt won the Bolitnikov last year. And I expected to like these guys and just digging deeper into their profiles. I really did not. I, I saw a lot of fraudulent production. I saw a lot of red flags, uh, things my more advanced model doesn't care about, but like a more basic one, you would really like the, these guys. 
We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. When we look at this class as a whole, is there, and this could be Mims again, we're going to try not to have Mims be the answer to every question, but is there a receiver that you feel is either positively or negatively again, extremely misunderstood by the draft community at large? Is there anyone standing out for you in that way that you're like, Sean mentioned with Mims, he just can't really understand why he's going to go where he is. Is there, outside of Mims, is there somebody else that stands out either positively or negatively? I mean, maybe that's the takeaway from the show. Mims is the answer to every question, right? <laughs> maybe it's all just, about I, Mims. Uh, I mean, that's that's just about everyone. Um, like I said, you know, f- fraudulent production profiles, fraudulent Bolitnikovs. We can talk Jordan Addison. Like, I really expected to love him. Uh, but you look at that sophomore season. He won the Bolitnikov ahead of JSN, but he also ran 150 more routes than JSN, who ranked first in yards per route run. Addison ranked eighth. Uh, you factor that in that's but that's just like a a more minor point uh beyond that it was a lot of schemed production a lot of rub routes and pick plays a lot of production coming deep from the slot uh lining up a slot wide receiver up against a slower safety or linebacker like that's just an absolute uh college cheat code and that's production that my model really tends to devalue as it should and like Jalen Hyatt was was even more egregious than Jordan Addison, but but Jordan Addison ranked well above, uh, you know, met any wide receiver over the past I don't know six or seven years. Skipping and in case it gets to this point with one of these wide receivers, is there one of these guys that you feel is the biggest bust of this year's class? And here's the thing: is just like I, maybe the entire class. Like I'm just seeing like a bunch of Kendall, except Wright. for Mims. <laughs> I'm seeing like, I'm seeing like, uh, let's go. All right. Let's say Cooper cup is JSN. We'll say Marvin Mims is Tyler Lockett. Uh, we'll say Quinn Johnson, Jordan Addison, Josh Downs, uh, Jalen Hyatt. Are they going to be like Kevin White? Is that It's like, uh, Kendall Wright, Kendall Wright, Michael Thomas, Kendall. And so like, I, I think like, you know, a few of these guys could be 
really good, but it's just, you know, looking at the draft now where we're at, there's, I, I don't see the ceiling. I, I see a, a larger than what everyone else is seeing bust rate. Um, I'm being a little too harsh here, but that's just me versus consensus. What are your thoughts on Addison after the transfer? The routes crater, the efficiency stays about the same. Similar concerns with him there at Southern Cal? Yeah, so so part of part of that sophomore season was uh, his offensive coordinator was Mark Whipple, who anyone who plays college football DFS knows you just like you just play Mark Whipple wide receiver ones and you make all the money. Uh, you know he was the mastermind behind Andy Isabella being drafted in round two, and then Trey Palmer last year. I mean, look at Trey Palmer last year versus Jordan Addison in any season was far more efficient by yards per route run, similar production. The guy just came out of nowhere. And so that's a big, big red flag. And then you look at what happened. He did that with, by the way, Kenny Pickett, the best quarterback in last year's class. Trey Palmer's quarterback play was far inferior. And then last year he's playing with the best quarterback in college football. And he ranked 20th in yards per game. He USC averaged 96 more yards per game in the three games he missed. Uh, you know, granted he was hurt and some other stuff, you know, maybe wasn't used optimally, but, uh, just add it all together and okay. He's my wide receiver four, but you know, he's not someone I'm excited about, especially versus consensus. And then you factor in the combine, which was horrific. So you mentioned Josh Jones a couple of times and he's someone that people don't seem very interested in talking about. You also don't seem fired up for him, but Give the listeners a little bit of a feel for what he could potentially do as he transitions to the NFL. Yeah, I, I think you're hoping for Rondale Moore, Rondale Moore Plus, something like that. Uh, I worry that he's going to be taken off the field outside of uh, 11 personnel. Uh, I think he's just like a slot only. And I don't know that he's a great one. Like the raw production is is really enticing, is really exciting. Uh, but a lot of manufactured production coming on screens. And then if you remove those, so one of the really below average for this class in yards after contact per attempt per reception, which is not what you want to see from a slot wide receiver. And so for him, it's, 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 he's really going to be landing spot dependent. He's also extremely small. Uh, so you kind of hope for a hyper accurate quarterback. You hope for like a cliff Kingsbury type who uh, loves these short to intermediate uh, low a dot slot throws and also lives in 11 personnel. And so, yeah, it'll be very landing spot dependent. I, I don't see too many good landing spots ex ante. I don't know about you, but, uh, yeah, another guy I thought I would really like, but just the advanced stuff wasn't as, as kind to him. Well, Scott, big picture. Where are you on these really small receivers as they're going to the NFL? We know that fantasy has been more favorable to them recently but i think that that can easily get to the point where people are like oh yeah it doesn't matter at all where are you on the the size question specifically because we have so many really tiny guys this year yeah we had that last year too the year before that uh devonta smith taekwon thornton guys like i think the nfl is saying oh you know we don't really care about that anymore nfl is we're, we're just moving in this speedy fast quick uh way like where sizes and i i kind of think you know we don't really have any track records you could call devonta smith a hit okay well then it's like him and todd pinkston as like the only borderline hits for the past 15 years 
but I, there's nothing I can do about it. If, you know, looking at projected draft capital, the NFL is saying, yeah, I don't, I don't think we really care about this anymore. So uh, and it is what it is. I don't have a, a great read on it beyond it. What do you think? Well, but De- Devante Smith is <laughs> well, one right. of these. I mean, it's easy to just throw around the term, but, <laughs> but for a small receiver, and, and you could even argue potentially for a receiver in general, I mean, sort of a, a generational type of prospect where even though he decides to stay for the fourth year and some of those types of things you're looking at and saying, I mean, this guy is going to be different. And even, you know, go to a run-based team with A.J. Brown there. I mean, obviously the things about that that help, that it's going to be hard to really pay him much attention. But, I mean, you're talking about an extraordinary prospect and mm-hmm. you're basically saying the small guys this year, not that they can't play in the NFL as a third or fourth guy, but they couldn't, you know, convert a third down at a key moment, but don't rely on them in fantasy. Right. Is one thing if you're skinny and you just became the first wide receiver to win the Heisman in 30 years or you're skinny and you're Josh Downs. No, I, I think that's a great point. Like it, it worries me. It's just, the problem is it's the entire class. They're all either mid or skinny apparently the nfl doesn't doesn't care though so oh well well what about the old guys then we have some guys who are both small and old we have some players who actually do bring more of a size and athleticism profile but are both old and not very productive do we have and we know that even though again we talk about the age adjusted production and what a massive indicator that is but it's certainly not the case that when you look at fantasy leaderboards that there is nobody out there who was either a four-year prospect or an older prospect do you have any old guys that you like in this class no i again i just, just kind of don't really like this class uh i, I have tillman wide receiver nine i have, I have tank dell wide receiver 10 i was just kind of all right well obscene production uh but i kind of regret that already it kind of Wish I'd, I'd put Tyler Scott one one spot above uh, Tank Dell. Argument for for Tillman, you know, he was the clear wide receiver one in games he was healthy with uh, with Hyatt, a, a less fraudulent profile because he wasn't living exclusively in a slot. Uh, but yeah, Rasheed Rice not really excited about him. Jonathan Mingo, Mingo not really excited. Xavier Hutchinson, I don't know, maybe he could be a decent slot guy. But yeah, uh, just kind of big takeaway. Hard to get too excited about this class well every time that i look into hutchinson i get excited for a few minutes and i realize that he's got those years at junior college ahead of that <laughs> and i did the same thing you're like well i mean once again you have all of those age and experience advantages i mean you should be putting up some numbers but you know mingo rice athletic guys oh does it change for you at all, or does it just change the price and there's still clear fades if Mingo or Rice go either like in the final couple picks of the first round, which you occasionally see mentioned, or if they go so like in the top 15 of the second round? Of the real NFL draft? Right. I so I, I don't know. Again, like my my model is saying this is like a pretty mid disappointing class. I think we we're gonna see good draft capital because you know, bloated wide receiver contracts because there's this need that's unlike the running back position. These teams need wide receivers. So I I do think we're going to see some of these guys get drafted early. I just, again, think it's going to be like a bunch of Kendall Wrights where it's like, oh, they got good draft capital. And like, maybe they get the volume in year one, year two, but 
uh, their career sort of fizzles out after that, or they're just always, or Corey Davis types or Devonte Parker types where they're just not fantasy football difference makers. Anybody who could come back as Cordero Patterson 10 years from now? <laughs> I don't know. That's, that, that's, that's a once uh, in a lifetime turnaround. Yeah. yeah. We need a special teamer to kick things off and then start playing running back in 10 years time to see who's the next uh, we can try and see who that's going to be. But uh, in terms of this class, you've mentioned fraudulent profiles quite a few times, but is there anyone who's probably going to go a little bit later in this class who may be able to, you know, outshine where they're going to go in terms of the best potential sleeper in this class? Is there anyone you hope come day three that falls into that perfect landing spot? Uh yeah, again, Marvin Mims, the the answer to every question. But uh, no, I, I like Tyler Scott too. To me, you just look at his numbers and you stack it up against Alec Pierce and he just looks like a rich man's Alex Pierce. Granted, not athletically so much, but but just production and efficiency, uh, especially if age adjusted, especially if experience adjusted. He was a running back all throughout high school, especially if QB adjusted. You know, Ben Bryant, who you know was worse than... Desmond Ritter, who went in round three, like the guy might not even be starting this next year. Uh, and then by PFF's advanced metrics, uh, he really, once controlled for quarterback play, he really showed up uh, in terms of percentage of uh, targets traveling 10 or more yards in the air. He was deemed open on 84% of them that far and away led the class. It blew out Jaden Reed. It blew out Rasheed Rice, even Quentin Johnson to an extent. Uh, so you, you do like to see that. Um, I, I think there's more a 4.37 40 yard dash at his pro day. So I think there's some upside there, but maybe just a, a deep threat kind of guy. And is there anyone that we haven't talked about today or even somebody that we have talked about that you have while doing your research? Is there one stat for any of these wide receivers that you think the listeners of Road of his OT need to know? Um, yeah, I, I, I'd go back to Quentin Johnson who we didn't really talk about, but who is my wide receiver three. Again, like I, I thought I would like Jordan Addison, Jalen Hyatt, Josh Downs based on their box score stuff. And I didn't think I would like Quentin Johnson that much, but digging into it, you know, really good yards per team pass attempt metrics. Um, by career missed tackles force per reception, he ranks best of any wide receiver since 2014. Also top 15 by yards after the catch per reception. He was disadvantaged by playing almost exclusively out wide. Uh, it's, you know, a, a cheat code to, to be in the slot or a slot and targeted deep especially but he was awesome when he was he was in the slot last year 6.1 yards per route run that ranks third best since 2015 so who's to say what what could his numbers have looked like if he was in the slot um there's definitely some red flags which i don't know maybe you've seen me tweet about but uh yeah he's my he's my wide receiver three and and i do feel good about that that's really cool to hear i have been wanting somebody to really pump some of the things that he does with the ball in his hands because when you see a guy of that size and again with sort of the the age and experience adjusted trajectory that he had i mean he does feel like the kind of player who you know separate from jsn if there's a star to come out of the class somebody who could be even better as a professional than they were in college yeah as you mentioned there are some red flags, but I think the upside there is pretty mouthwatering, especially if you're able to get him a little bit later because some people have soured on him, especially if the NFL, for whatever reason, lets him drop a little bit. 
don't know. He's, he seems like a guy who, when you watch him play, you look at some of those stats, the after-the-catch number is really very, very striking. So, Scott, before we let you... Oh, sorry. One thing. You asked for one stat on, on Quentin Johnson, or one stat, and I forgot to give it out. It's that throughout his career, TCU averaged 247 passing yards per game when he played, and only 172 in the six games he missed. So TCU was 42% better when Johnson was on the field. That was the difference between ranking, you know, slightly above average among all 64 power five teams or ranking third worst. So, uh, you know, it's kind of hard to divorce wide receiver play from quarterback play, but in this case, it was easy. Perfect. Perfect. Going to have to move him up again. (laughs) Ahead of the quarterbacks, ahead of the quarterbacks. So Scott, before we finish up this wide receiver version with you, ask for a couple of bold predictions. Who's going to be the shock early draft pick? I know that, I mean, this question doesn't fit every year as well as it does fit some years, but last year you were insistent that Tyquan Thornton was going to go much earlier than people thought he did. It may be the case where the Patriots already regret that. A number of teams that had a shot at George Pickens and didn't take it. Pickens still, obviously a lot of questions there for him. But who's going to go? I mean, it could be middle of round one if you see a huge surprise there. But middle of round two, I mean, is there going to be a name that kind of comes out of nowhere? Uh, I don't know. I, th- I think Cedric Tillman is is going to go round one or, or way earlier than people think. Uh, I know NFL teams were crazy high on him last year. They thought he was going to be – they had him ranked as the number one or number two wide receiver in this year's class like 10 months ago. Uh, and, uh, you know, I talked to Jim Nagy who said, you know, I think he, he's way better than Jalen Hyatt. Uh, so I, I think that could be the guy. Other than that, I, I don't really have a great read. You know, Dane Brugler saying it's going to be Jonathan Mingo. Uh, I can definitely see that, although I'm just not as high. And then secondly, and it sounds, I mean, the answer, so the answer to this can't be nobody. Maybe, I, I mean, I would love for it to be Quentin Johnston. Yeah, it who, can't be Marvin I mean, Mims either. Oh, <laughs> yeah we already have so much marvin mims we don't want to jinx it who's going to be the league winner you can pick i mean it can be a best ball format it can be as folks draft for their redraft teams this fall it could be the guy who right away is going to come out and change your dynasty team take you to a title who's going to be the 2023 league winner i don't know jsn or, or nobody Right? Has to be Marvin Mims. I think he has to be the answer here. All right, Mar- Mar- Marvin JSN or Marvin Mims. You know, Mims at cost. JSN just straight up. I don't know, but uh, yeah, again, not a great class. It's not a great class, but this has been an absolutely great show. I think it's been a lot of fun having Scott on. If you're not following Scott already, you can find all his work at FantasyPoints.com, but you can follow him on Twitter at Scott Barrett DFB. Scott, the draft is just a few days away. You mentioned the work that you have out already is the best place for people to find that on Twitter or is there anything else you want to give a plug to as we get ready for the draft here? Uh, yeah. Check out the fantasy points NFL draft guy. That's done by Brett Whitefield. He's like our resident uh, film scout and you can read my articles on the running backs, wide receivers, tight ends. That's sort of me as your head of analytics, all that content's free. Uh, check it out at fantasypoints.com. Awesome. And we are going to be back with tight ends and running back conversation with Scott on our Wednesday edition of the podcast, just one day before the NFL draft. So that is coming up on deck for you. Hopefully you have enjoyed today's edition. Sean, we'll have lots of stuff coming up. We'll 
mention that a little bit more, I think, on the, the end of the Wednesday edition here to tease that ahead. But thank you for tuning in. My name is Colin Kelly. You can follow me on Twitter at Overtime Ireland. You can obviously check out all of Sean's work up on rotaviz.com and follow Scott at Scott Barrett DFB. Until we are back, have a good one. Thank you for listening to Overtime on Rotoviz Radio. Please rate and review the Rotoviz Radio podcast on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. You can contact us via email at rotovizradio at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at Rotoviz Radio. And remember, you can always support the pod by subscribing to Rotoviz with a discount through the Rotoviz Radio homepage, rotoviz.com forward slash podcast.